Welcome to the Academy of Esports podcast. I'm your host, James O'Hagan. I'm here with Carrie Linden, otherwise known as Chalk Muju, as most people know her. Chalk Muju. Carrie, thank you for being on the Academy of Esports podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. I uh, have gotten to know you online over the last, I'd say, year, year and a half. You've been active in the esports edu hashtag. Um, I know you've got your group uh, Gaming for Education. I've seen you speaking at various gaming and education related conferences. Um, and you're also working at the it's the Pro, uh, Progressive Learning Academy in Santa Barbara, California, which, you know, again, I'm yeah. very jealous about the Santa Barbara lifestyle, uh, I must say. And um, I'm also very intrigued by your online life as a streamer, too. So I thought I hope we could touch on all of these things today. But first, give us a little more background on yourself. I think I've done a pretty amateur job of introducing you. So if you wouldn't mind sharing more about yourself. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm Carrie. And as you said, Chuck Muju has been what I have Ooh. been known as online since AOL days. Uh, so I've I've had that tag with me for a very, very long time. So it's one of those things that has, has stuck. Uh, I'm originally from Northern California, though, as you said, I'm now in Santa Barbara. Um, oddly enough, I started my working career in wildlife rehabilitation. So oh. I worked with birds for many, many years. And then when I moved down to Central California, I started kind of wanting to make a, a switch back into education. It, it's what I wanted mm -hmm. to do when I was a kid. Um, and was actually talked out of it by my high school teachers. So I, <laughs> right, kind of crazy. Um, so I ended up going to school here to get my master's in education mm -hmm. and my multi-subject teaching credential. I've taught in the progressive education sector the entire time that I've taught. So I'm very hands-on, very game-based, very student-centered, um, but also really high on on rigor. If you can hear squealing in the background, my, my son's a gamer, so he's... Perfectly. I think it's I think it's wonderful background noise. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, I have always been a gamer. Uh, if you watch any of my streams, I stream mostly with my father. Mm -hmm. uh, I started gaming with him as a kid. We spent a lot of our time up playing like the whole Myst series from Cyan, um, a lot of other computer-based games. So he's kind of always been my my gaming buddy. So it's really cool now that we play. We both play Sea of Thieves together. It's been really nice to have a really cool title that kind of bridges the the distance between he and I since we live a good seven hours away from one another. Oh gosh, um, is he still up in the so north? We're able to, yeah, yeah. So he's still up north. Um, so it's nice for us to be able to kind of hang out. Um, other than that, I'm I'm an artist. I kind of jack of all trades artist. I do lots of weird little things. Um, so I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a quirky little one, I guess. Uh, I got my. <laughs> Esports management certificate from UCI last year, and that was sort of my big jump into the esports industry. Um, my son, who's been gaming since he could walk, uh, is very competitive and is really good. Spends a lot of time really focusing on, you know, the kind of the aspects that you need to be really competitive in the esports market. So when he started to kind of hit the age range where he could legally start participating in online events. That was kind of my wake-up call that I needed to educate myself a little bit deeper uh, in the industry so that I would be able to be um, as supportive for him as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. 
so well, that kind of started my dig into esports. Well, let's let's look at that because there are a lot of educators and parents who listen to this who may be going, Carrie, tell me how you did that. How do you educate yourself in the space? Because I know that my kids will invite me to play with them. Um, and and that's great. Yeah. I mean, I love playing Overwatch. And then it gets to the point with my kids where I'm really, I'm also, while I may like playing with them, I'm really terrible at the game, as I am with most games. And they <laughs> right. will eventually just look at me and go, can you please not play with us yeah. right now? We actually want to win. You're, you're, you're causing us to lose. We need you to step out so we can get three other random people who are going to be better than you. I might, yeah, I might, you know, there's a, there's a statistic in baseball. It's uh, your war. So it's your wins above replacement. I'm probably like a negative five. It's just this. Yeah. So how did you get educated? So, I mean, it was a little bit of a mix. One, I've always been a gamer. So for me, it, it wasn't too hard to slide back into kind of his world. I had been on PC for quite a long time. So as soon as he branched into Xbox, I, I got my own Xbox um, and I kind of dove into the same world with him. Um, mm. If he was playing a title, I made sure I knew about it. Uh, so even if it wasn't a game that I played, I'd play it with him a couple times. I make sure that I followed them on Twitter. So I'm always up to date with what's going on within their community, what sort of patches, patches they're producing, when it's dropping, how it's affecting meta. Um, you know, it, I think it's easier if you're already a gamer because it's just adding adding more titles on to what you already kind of deal with. Um, the esports aspect, honestly, is a lot harder. Like, I don't, I don't envision parents going out and spending, you know, hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars to get, you know, a, an official esports cert. So I think that's something that, as far as the industry is concerned, that's something that we need to work on as esport educators is how do we provide that interface with parents? Because it's, it's a hard one. You've got kids now that are 13 years old that are getting, you know, signed contracts and teams are coming to see like, Hey, can we sweep them off to LA? And oh, um, it makes my skin crawl. Getting, it, it's, it's rough. Like, it, and it can be really great for kids, but it can also be really disastrous. Um, and a lot of parents, you know, not really knowing, where to watch out for, uh, or, or who to trust. I think that can be really hard. Like, you know, even talking to my son now with, with contracts, like you, you can't just not read them. Like you have to read them with a fine tooth cone. Cause you could be signing away your gamer tag. You could be signing away your image. Like there's a lot that you could be losing that could cause you to have to completely rebrand should your career with that particular team or club, you know, be short run. And, and let's be honest right now, the lifespan of a professional gamer is short. Like we're burning them out faster than oh, we yeah. can kind of put them in place. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's rough. There's, there's a big learning curve there for parents. Um, there's a big learning curve there for teachers. I was just at serious play conference and one of the conversations I was having with, with a school that was potentially going to get into esports was, you know, are they ready for it? And, and them kind of going into it thinking, yeah, we're ready to jump in and then changing their mind and being like, maybe we're not. Um, and my comment to them was like, I, I would mm -hmm. rather, I'd rather institutions go slow and be educated and make sure that they're moving forward with integrity and creating healthy programs than just jumping in headlong because it's big and it's exploding and we need to be in it now. Um, hoping that we can maintain quality. Well, you, you brought up a couple of interesting points that kind of bleed together. So let's talk about the $3 million that were won in Fortnite already. 
Yeah, that was huge. It, it was huge, and here's why. It's it's not the biggest prize, I think, that anybody has won in esports, but it, no. it, it made press because it was in New York City. It was at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, 24,000 people there, and it included a game that parents have heard so much about. I mean, they haven't heard about Dota 2, yeah. but they've heard about Fortnite, because, and every teacher is probably, especially an elementary school teacher, has heard about Fortnite because the kids are doing the dances in class and everything else. Yep. And, um, yeah, they are. <laughs> and I think when we're talking about those contracts and you're talking about the opportunity to be a professional gamer, especially at such a young age, it's not just the kids who are going to be stepping into this space and going, oh, I can make $35,000 a year, you know, or, you know, double that or triple that. Yeah. A parent's also going to be saying that. And as you're right, they're not being savvy or they're not necessarily savvy about what that looks like. Even some of the the best lawyers, uh, you know, contract lawyers, you know, if you just go to your town lawyer who doesn't deal in these kind of contracts, they could not necessarily, while they're trying to do what's in your best interest, they may not know what you're doing. It's really important, I think, especially now because there is professional opportunity for children at such a young age, that we as educators need to, even if we, even if we just have a cursory understanding, we need to be able to step into this space and be comfortable in this space and at least listen to kids when they say they have an opportunity. Um, I think that's a big one because what you're looking at now is it, it's a strange dynamic because you've got college leagues, obviously, and high, high school esport leagues. And there's a lot of us that are pushing for, you know, middle school leagues out there as well. Um, but, but the unique thing about gaming is that, you know, at 13, you could go pro and, and you don't see that so much in the sports, you know, in the traditional sports world, to the same extent, like you don't have a classroom and be like, okay, well, three of my kids could be making, you know, maybe five to 10 grand a month. Um, but now between, between streaming and, you know, and content creation and, you know, wagers, uh, it's a very realistic possibility that these kids could be making a substantial amount of money in middle school um, and not even for school teams. So, yeah, you know, I, I think our focus can't just be, league-based or school-based, we also have to set up for, you know, being there to counsel and help our students in their own, their own, you know, money-making venture, because it's happening. You know, my students have donations turned on and can accept donations on their streams and, and have made money. Um, you know, you they definitely need adults that are there to help them through that. Uh, it, it was really cool to see some of the kids interviewed at the world cup and have them say oh you know i'm i'm investing or i'm putting this stuff away and i'm saving it so some of them are definitely getting good information sent their way um but it's going to be hard it's it's a strange age to suddenly have a pile of money at your disposal um so yeah there needs to be there needs to be oversight there needs to be people there because the, you're, you're starting to hear the stories of things kind of going bad for kids the one that i the, the one that i that made my again i'll say skin crawl again that made me uncomfortable i guess you could say was the story of the young boy in boston whose dad pulled him out of school mom wasn't completely in, in with it either does his does his learning virtually I, I oversee a virtual learning program so okay i get that but then the rest of it is just training to become an, a professional esports athlete. Yeah. And all I could think of when I heard that story was about Todd Marinovich. And if you don't know who Todd Marinovich is, he was a prodigy football quarterback, played a lot of uh, late 80s, early 90s, 
uh, was his father basically was raised him to become a professional quarterback. Um, ended up at the University of Southern California, uh, was there for a couple of years, uh, and then was drafted and played with uh, uh, the time Los Angeles Raiders. But it, everything was designed around him about this this optimization of his child. Like his child was a science project. I mean, there was there's even stories that his the woman who was chosen as his wife was chosen because of her genetics and, right. and things like that. And it's like, it's like, I hope we're not getting to that point again, because that, that self-destructed and blew up and it took away, it, right. it really right. ruined what a childhood experience in, in a lot of ways can be. It's, it's a tough one because, you know, we're seeing the, the more you see younger players get signed, um, especially by pro teams, mm -hmm. The more you see these kids getting plucked from their homes and moved into teen housing, all right, and and that's it, it's a slippery slope because then you have you know you jump into the virtual learning, which can be great. Like as a teacher, I know there are some great virtual learning programs. Um, I think we're going to need to see some that are specifically designed for the esports industry mm. uh, because there's going to be uh, there's going to be a whole nother slew of social emotional i think issues that we're going to have to help oh, kids yes. way through um and and being an edge like if, if you're a virtual educator and you know your your student base it, it's going to be there's going to be new and unique problems we're going to have because it's going to be a, a different situation these are going to be kids that are either in home environments that are hyper focused on their career which well, i mean we all know can be extremely detrimental to the development of a healthy psyche um, or they're going to be kids that have already made that jump and they've been plucked from their families and they're now living in housing with a pile of adults and they're 14 and they're away from home and they are being exposed to a lot of stuff that's beyond their developmental range. Um, so I think as educators, the more we know about that and the more we're kind of prepared and understand what they're dealing with, the better we'll be able to sort of help them stay grounded or balanced. But it, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I have families that that will come to me and be like, well, I want my kid to be really good and I want them to be really competitive. And it's like, well, do you understand the time that these kids put into it? Because it's not two hours a day. Like if, if you're setting your kid a limit of one to two hours of gameplay, they're, they're not going to make it. Like, you know, you're talking about warmups and you're talking about practice rounds and then you're talking about reviewing gameplay and then you're talking about scrims and you're talking about wagers. Like it's, it's and then the and then day. doing all the data analysis and scouting and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's all of that as well too. I, I don't know if you heard my interview with Dr. Chris Haskell from Boise State, but you know their team has to follow the same time limit rules as their uh, all their other athletic teams. They can do more no more than 20 hours per week, and that includes practice and play. And that's at a collegiate level. And, that, and we're talking about, you know, Boise State, and we're talking about football teams. Don't, let's not even talk about the esports. Boise State is a national, you know, they're, they're up there nationally. They're one of the top teams in the United States. So it is, you're, and you're only getting 20 hours. Now, some of these kids are doing 20 hours in two days. Oh, yeah, that's just it. Like, as far as the esports industry is concerned, um, I mean, I know how many hours my kid puts in it when he's really focused. Um, and it's a lot. Like it's, it's a lot, 20 hours is nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's hard because you look at, you know, recommended recommended gameplay time for a week and it's still hovering at around 2021. 20, um, but yeah, kids are doing that in two days easy. Uh, and those are the ones that are being able to hold their own competitively. It It's a lot 
it's a lot of work. Um, and I think as a parent, there's a lot, there has to be an, there has to be an understanding of what it takes, but two, you also have to be able to intervene and make sure that your child's life is staying balanced. Um, you know, there still needs to be a focus on education. There still needs to be a focus on physical fitness. These are all things that need to be there. Um, especially with the career being so short, like if you forego the focus on your kid's education, great, they may win quite a bit of money, but that money's not going to last them terribly long. And they're going to need to have a career after. Um, even if they stay in esports, they're going to have to have a career. So they better have been learning journalism or shoutcasting or management or event planning and management. Like there are these other things that they need to have underneath them because their career as a player isn't guaranteed to be long. And even if you're a content creator, you may rise and you may make a ton of money, but that fall can happen. It can happen instantaneously. I mean, you can go from somebody hugely popular. As you said, meta can change. Meta, yeah, or meta could change. The game could change. The game could no longer be supported uh, in some cases, which is the worst case scenario. And it happens. I mean, and you see, you see players have to make a jump and you see content creators have to make a jump from one game to the next. And it's hard. You know, it, it's you got to really kind of rework to, to bring your community with you and not lose too many people. Um, it's not an easy thing. So it's 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 definitely something to look at. But, you know, I'm hoping we don't lose sight of the fact that these are children uh, and it's a great opportunity for them. But they're children and it's play. It's play. We're talking. Guess what we're talking about? We are ultimately talking about the opportunity we're giving kids to play. I mean, that should be the most fun of all of this. Well, and I think, too, for me, sometimes, like, there was a while where my kid was so hyper-focused that he wasn't having fun. And I told him, if you're not enjoying it, mm -hmm. what's the point? Like, you need to be able to step back and you need to be able to play with your friends and have a good time. Like, it, otherwise, it's just work. It's just a grind. Like, being able to play games for a living and make money off of it, that's fantastic. As long as you enjoy playing the game well I, I i was at a i took my daughter to uh illinois institute of technology my friend april welch who oversees their esports program down there brought in representatives from twitch to talk about streaming experience and they had death death there death sea there uh, one of the first things he said was make sure you pick as you know make sure you pick the right screen name out of the gate because it really becomes you and he i i, I wasn't sure if there was a little bit of regret in the name that he picked but so he just said be careful about the screen name that you pick but the other part of it too was he talked about like you know, he didn't take his streaming schedule seriously. And now he is a, he streams every day. Um, he is consistent in that schedule every day, whether he wants to do it or not, he's doing it every day because now it has become kind of like the Truman show. There are people who wake up and watch him and he even set up his schedule so that he's playing. Um, I think he goes on about nine o'clock at night and then goes until about six in the morning. But what that allows then is he gets the crowd the late night crowd in the United States, but then he picks up the European crowd in the morning. Yeah. So there's, it, it is, it is actual work in this space, but you know, that's, that's if you're trying to develop professionals, we in, in schools, we are not trying to develop professionals. What we're trying to do, hopefully in a lot of cases is, is like I said, give kids, we, we, when I talk about it, I talk about the five things. We want to redefine athletic culture. We want to diversify opportunity for student participation. We want to promote good mental and physical health. We want to uh, look at those career and collegiate scholarship pathways, and we want to honor the importance of play. None of that in there says be professional. You know, none of that says six hours of practice. Those those things don't fall into that. 
the one thing that I also have begun to notice and I really start am starting to worry about more so now is that there are educators that I worry about who are taking steps to use kids in a way because because esports has become such a, a a story grab for newspapers. I worry that there is educators who are using this as a way to possibly to possibly now flip and go on and do something else. You know, they're using the prestige of their esports program to get a lot of news stories and then parlay that into yeah. Yeah, it, 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 I, I feel like that's coming on here soon. I, I mean, I think you're going to see it. Like the education industry is an interesting one. Um, you know, you've got a lot of really grounded, but then you got a lot of people that are definitely, you know, they're seeking fame. And so if it's a platform to progress them forward, they're going to take it. Um, and then doubling back to the whole, like the, the conversation about professionalism, um, I think where, where we should be focusing on professionalism is the aspects that transfer over into every other field. Um, so, oh, like, yeah. yeah, not the six to eight hours of practice a day, but, you know, having like picking the great gamer tag, like realizing you are a brand and that brand represents you to the world. And it's not really erasable. Like you can move on and rebrand, but that old brand never goes away. Um, making sure that you're yeah. conducting yourself in a professional manner. Um, like there's a lot of professionalism that I think we really need to teach, but it's not, it shouldn't be hyper-focused on the sports. It should be hyper-focused on the soft skills that are going to be transferable to any industry that they wanted to go in, regardless of if it's even remotely connected to gaming or not. And I did, uh, this is going to be a follow-up episode I'm doing here in a few weeks, but it's going to be around, um, I, I interviewed about 10 different college esports coaches and kind of just gathered you know, they told me about their programs, which is great. And they told me about the scholarships, which is great. But the universal message that I got from every one of these coaches was specific to the professionalism that kids show in their social media and how they present themselves. And the other part was they don't care about the highlight video. What they care about is take a three minute random clip where they want to hear your in-game communication and they want to hear um, you break it down for them. What happened here? Why did it happen? And how are you going to get better at what you need to do next time? Yeah, no, I think those are all those are all really key skills because it's all stuff that translates. You know, it, being able to critically analyze what you're doing and what the outcomes were, and then how to plan from that. I mean, that's applicable across the board. Absolutely, I I, I can't tell you that. I can tell you at least with a couple of kids who I worked with directly in the Racine Unified School District who were not passing their classes last fall or last spring, excuse me, who were in need of credit recovery, who because of, again, using growth, growth set mindset, growths, growth, growth mindset techniques, we, we looked at when they learned or like, oh, if I just go day to day or week to week of this is what what I need to do. And if I think of my schedule, this is, these are all the things I have going on. I have to plan all around this, but this is what I need to do to get to be here. Oh my gosh, this makes every, this makes everything so much more in sense, you know? So now you also are a regular streamer as you alluded to. And I love that you stream with your father. When I, I, I started watching your stream earlier this week. Um, and you're my first, I had, I've seen Mixer before, hadn't downloaded it. Uh, I picked up, loaded up Mixer, listened to you. And first off, you are playing Sea of Thieves, which is a game my son loves to play. Um, yeah. It, and you are also playing with your dad, which is also super fun. At least I think it is. Yeah. He, I love it. Like, And 
you know, for me, like a lot of gamers grow up and they don't have mm-hmm. parent support. I always did. Um, so for me, it, it's really nice to have him on there um, because I, I want to share that. Like, I, I want people to see that for me, gaming is very social and it should be something that spans generations. Um, you know, I play, my son plays, my dad plays. My mom my mom doesn't really play that much. She golfs. And I think <laughs> well, that's about it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's it um but it, it's for me it's really important to kind of highlight that like it can be used as a connection uh, or a tool for connection and socialization um you know when when you hear stuff come out about gaming and how it's it's antisocial and the connections aren't real you know for me i, I kind of laugh inside because it's it's so not the case mm-hmm. you know it has an amazing ability to break down the distance in the world like there are people that i you know, have played with consistently that are in England. And, you know, these are people that I talk to mm-hmm. every single day. Um, and I've spent hours with exploring a virtual environment. It's it's very real. Um, and the connection is is substantial. You know, these are these are friends or these are ways that you can keep touch with with family members. And I know I'm not the only one who plays with with family. You know, I've got friends that play with siblings. Um, I've got other friends that now play with their fathers online um, after kind of watching me play with mine. Um, so it's it's cool. Like I love having him around, and you know I'm not gonna have it forever. So I I enjoy it while I've got it, and it's cute. Like he he logs in a good ten minutes before I do, so I come into a ship that's you know almost always fully stocked because he's gone in and and prepped for me. And my mom's in the background telling her friends, oh, if you log on to Mixer, they're gonna go live now. So it's it's cute. Like a lot of my lurkers are, you know, friends of my parents sometimes. Oh, that's so funny. it's, it's, it's fun. yeah. I, I love I, it. My see if these experience was my son really wanted it, wrote me this really cute letter for it. It's like, dude, of course. We're like, yeah, it's a game. You want to play it? Let's play a game. Um, see if thieves was a bit surprising when we first jumped into it together. Um, I didn't realize that the voice chat between people was so it's, it's like you're basically, you're basically stepping into a virtual world where, you are. You know, it's not. It's not a closed ecosystem. Um, it, it was yeah. a, and I, to be honest, I mean, I'm the guy who is saying, yeah, let's ju- go out. We got to play more games. We have to engage people in these spaces. And the toxicity came right out and smacked me in the face with this game. And I think I even might have reached out to you about what the heck do we do with this game? How do we? How do we fix yeah. this? What can a parent do who um, does want to get engaged with their kid? Jumps in and then goes, oh my god, what is this whole thing that's going on here? Um, it's hard, and and I think. Well, you have to keep in mind as a parent, anytime your kid plays an open world multiplayer or just a multiplayer in general, they're going to have access to outside players. Um, so for Sea of Thieves, you have the ability to either be in party chat or to be in game chat. And if you don't want to be automatically um, made accessible, then I recommend people sail in party chat and just drop into game chat as needed. Um, so like my dad and I, we play we're generally going to be in party chat. Um, I usually have him drop out first into game chat just because um, being a woman in the gaming space can be interesting sometimes. I can imagine. Um, and yeah, yeah we'll get and to that sometimes in a having that first encounter be male can make all the difference uh, of how that interaction is going to go. Um, and then I usually drop into game chat second. Um, I tell parents that it's going to be somewhat unavoidable. Um, mm-hmm. Sea of Thieves has probably one of the least toxic communities of the games that I have played. 
but it can still be extremely toxic if you run into the wrong crew. Um, so for me, it's about teaching my students. What pirates who are foul-mouthed right? and- Right, right? Oh, whoever thought about it. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's some really popular imagery of some people in the education industry who like to always talk about doing things like a pirate. But to me, that's just like some crazy imagery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're really playing it like a pirate, yes. Yes, it is. It's very, very inappropriate for the school right. setting. Um, but, you know, I teach my kids how to how to cap and report. And Say that I again. That's a big thing. Like, as an adult. You said cap and how report. How to cap and report. So how to screen capture. Um, so either... Mm -hmm recording video on your device or in worst case scenario recording um video and audio on your phone making sure that you can get player tags um and then knowing how to report them so either reporting them directly through the xbox app which you can mm -hmm. um for you know inappropriate content and then uh, also reporting to the game developers as well because most game developers in their toast or tosa is um is behavior requirements and Sea of Thieves has a very strong pirate code and the devs mm -hmm. have been um, very forthcoming with information as to how they want that upheld and so they don't tolerate any sort of uh, bigotry or discrimination or harassment or bullying that takes place within their game platform so it, it's definitely recommended that you know you you capture the information you submit it to Xbox and report them. But also then if you're playing Sea of Thieves, report it to Rare as well. Um, they're really mm -hmm. good about making sure that they're doing what they can to keep their game as family safe as possible. Um, and that takes a lot of us owning our part of it. Um, it's also a really important conversation to have with kids. Like as a parent, you need to be listening to your child when they game. Um, because there's going to be moments where they say stuff that you're like, wow, that's yeah. not right. Um, and not overreact, but stop them and, and just say, like, is this, is this who you want to be? Is this the image that you want to be out there? Because it's out there. And anybody... My, my son... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. No, I finished. Okay. I, my, my son has his, his sisters to keep him in check. They, yeah. I think they do a better job of listening to him than I do. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just, I was laughing about that because no, you're no. saying as a parent, and I'm like, I don't have to parent with that because my, my girls will hear it and they just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got other kids to step in, that that's awesome. Um, and you can get, I mean, if you get to a point where they do self-police each other, which is great. And I, mm -hmm. I like hearing that because that's where the, that's where any meaningful social change is going to happen. It's going to happen from the player base. And it's going to take a squad being out there and one of them piping off and the other one's being like, dude, that's not, that's not how we are. That's right. not what we say. This isn't right. You need to stop. Um, and when you can do that to your own crew, um, that's when you're going to start seeing actual, actual change happening. Now, you, uh, you are a trendsetter um, in the sense that you got to Mixer before Ninja did. <laughs> So you, you, uh, you can say, you know, you, just think about this. You could have had the at ninja tag maybe on, on I, Mixer. What was I thinking? I don't know. <laughs> but I got to say being, living in Wisconsin, Chalk Muju, totally fine. We're, 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 I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you rank very high with your Wisconsin uh, viewer base. So with regards to Mixer, what was what was the choice to that? I mean, you did uh, allude to just a little bit ago about being a female who streams and, and what experiences you've had with that. 
um, just again, we're trying to educate people into the realities of this and then what can we do to, to make it into a different experience for people. So why did you choose Mixer, I guess, over Twitch? And then what was there any special reason? And then what has been your experience in the environment and how do you, I guess, take care of yourself? Um, so for me, I knew I was going to start streaming, uh, teaching streaming pretty heavily with my student base. So I needed to get into it um, because I know there's it. There's things that are unique to streaming, issues that pop up that I, I needed to have experienced um, to be able to um, be able to really like effectively teach and help them handle those situations. Mm -hmm. um, YouTube has never been a platform that I've really liked. It's hard to find people. It can be challenging to navigate. I, it's I've never really been a huge fan of it. I, I use it for videos periodically but I've never had an affinity for it um, tremendously. Twitch, mm. I spent a lot of time watching people on it. Um, and I, I have a Twitch channel that I don't use. Okay. Um, and I, I never really liked, like there's issues with the interface. There was issues with the way the monet monetization was done. I watched a lot of people like really kind of leave their community behind in the quest for monetization. And so I kind of felt like the heart and soul that had been Twitch had been gone for a while um, mm. and was watching people either get reprimanded or not get reprimanded for some very questionable things. And it just felt like for me, Twitch wasn't the home I wanted. Um, you know, you even watching chats go by in, in various streams of, of various sizes. You just had a lot more blazing speed. Yeah. The speed is, is big. Um, the harassment was sort of more extreme. Like it just didn't feel homey um mm -hmm. you know it felt like there were a lot of people fighting for space even though there was so much space to be had yeah it was very very competitive um and so then mixer was just it's on my xbox it's on my laptop um it didn't require anything for me i, I don't have to go out and get a capture card i don't have to run my footage through anything i can just go live um so for me i was like okay i'm gonna I'm going to experiment with Mixer because it's here and it's super easy. And basically what I found is, you know, it's a lot smaller. So your growth is a lot slower and, mm -hmm. you know, your peaks aren't quite as high at this point as, as they were with Twitch. But the communities were a lot tighter. I found a lot more camaraderie between streamers. Um, you know, a lot of people were there to really sort of help each other out and help each other build. Um, and the community base was a lot tighter. So you'd have, mm. you know... Fewer instances of trolls coming in on your stream. Um, you know, you're interacting with a lot of your your follower base on various other social media platforms. It was just very connected um, and super easy to use. Uh, it's also very interactive, so it's still sort of a more interactive platform than Twitch is. Um, I don't use a lot of the interactive features. I find them to be very distracting when I see them on other people's streams. But a lot of people really like that. There's a lot of different ways that your viewer base can interact with your live stream. Um, and that has a big appeal for a lot of people. It's I, big. I know. Oh, go yep. ahead. No, you're good. Uh, to me, when you were talking about that interactivity and all the flash and everything, all I picture when I sometimes when I watch Twitch, because I don't know, maybe I'm old. I am. I'm 43. Going to be 44 here in less than a few weeks. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Idiocracy, uh, at the beginning of the movie, Dax Shepard is sitting in a chair watching TV and there's like a show in the middle and then there's like all these advertisements and things all around the periphery. And that's sometimes 
to me what it feels like in a lot of ways where some people for some people that works that's how they they get reactions you know so i know that i've donated bits or subscribed to channels to, and waited to see my name pop up i've done it i mean it's it's the feedback loop it's that reward system um it's the gamification of gaming um you know it it's there and and you see it on mixer too like i i have fellow mixer streamers that i pop into their stream and i'm like you're you're looking around the overlays to find yeah. the gameplay footage, um, and I honestly, as as a consumer of streams, I don't like that, and and I'll support you, um, but I won't be in your stream for very long. Like it's it as a viewer, it's hard for me to to dig through all that. I don't like flashy streams, mm -hmm. um, which is why mine is really bare bones like i like that i don't really want to take away from the game um you know there's there's certain qualities to it that 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 just aren't me but i think you know that's the thing about streaming is you're going to find a lot of variety so you're going to have the streamers that you know maybe just have some really simple overlays you're going to have those that have every overlay possible um, we come in all different sizes, so it's it's about you know customizing that experience to you and your viewer base is gonna fall in line with it. Like if if your stream is like, I have a lot of streams that are instantly inaccessible to me because of how they mm -hmm. manage their volume um, or music, and so you don't see me in those communities. I can't be there. Um, but the communities that really like that are the ones that are gonna form around them. So you know you you end up building you end up building your stream, and it's gonna help all of that stuff is going to bring in a certain viewer base. So you do want to be aware of what you're producing because you're, you're making a community in the process of it. Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's your online community. And, and, and if you're competing on a team, you've got your community that you build around your school community. I mean, this is, this is why yeah. we're really doing this is we're taking the kids out of the basements, out of their bedrooms. Ironically, I'm doing this podcast from my basement. Um, <laughs> But we're taking kids and we're socializing it. We're saying it doesn't have to be something where you do solo alone. In fact, uh, I was listening to some, uh, there was a great uh, podcast. Uh, it's called RTE Brainstorm. So it's done by the Irish uh, television and radio stations. And it's called Brainstorms. And they did one on play. And they talked about, not that kids develop narciss the, the clinical narcissism, but they develop narcissistic tendencies when they play by themselves. And they really talked about the need to socialize when you play. So if play is becoming this thing that they're doing because it's just them and an Xbox, you know, they don't learn a lot of empathy. They don't learn how to play with others or how to set rules or, or you know, barriers or limits, I guess you could say. Um, they don't experiment a whole lot beyond the, themselves. So you're, we're, we're talking about, when you're talking about developing that community, it can exist too. I don't know if in the same regard in a, in a stream, but it's still a, a kind of community where you can hopefully learn boundaries and your bad behaviors are not reflected back on you or, or uh, uh, what do we say, um, uh, where it's given approval. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it absolutely is. Like, especially with, with streaming, you know, if you stream with other people, there's certain codes of conduct and etiquette that people either follow or don't. And, mm -hmm. you know, depending on how well you follow that etiquette is going to depend on whether or not you're going to be co-streaming with, you know, a certain individual again or, um, you know, ever uh you can get you can get blacklisted mm -hmm. pretty quickly um so yeah like it's definitely a social thing even if you even if you stream by yourself i mean i think we've all run into the streamers who have taken the social aspect out of it you know they're the ones that have communities but they don't interact with them they obviously don't really care about them they're not doing anything to manage them 
you know, they're just there to have people come and watch them, but not necessarily engage. Um, but most streamers aren't like that. You know, most of us are very aware of our community. We're very aware of what goes on. You're managing chat, you know, either you are doing that or your mod is, but even if your mod's doing it, you're having one-on-one -on -one conversations with that person as to like what's acceptable in your community um, and making sure that that's upheld. Um, and then also making sure that you are representing yourself that way in all your other social media content as well, or you should be anyways. Um, and that's one of the conversations right. I have with, you know, my students is like, if you're, if you're building your brand, you need to be walking the walk. Like you, you can't just do it when you're on stream. Like when you're playing with other people, you're still your brand. You're still that person. Um, oh, absolutely. Like I, I have the, I have the big issue with the whole like IRL thing, you know, in real life, like, sorry, hate to break it to you. But our digital lives are real lives. There is no real differentiation. That is you. Those are your decisions, and they have repercussions. So we need to, we need to stop that. <laughs> well, Carrie, thank you so much for your time. I have one last question, and this is a this is a new okay. question I've I've come up with, but especially for educators. Um, I believe we're not far away from having the Hogwarts of esports or of gaming, if you will. So think of think of a you know Hogwarts as being the school of magic and wizardry, but it isn't just like they're teaching how to use a wand. They're teaching like uh, defense against the dark arts. They do the biology class. You know, there's all the different things. There's the history of. Yeah. If you are Professor Chakmuju at the Hogwarts of esports or gaming, what would be the class that you would want to teach? Um. I think I would probably be professionalism and community management. I, it might be a boring class, but to me, that's where that's where your longevity is. Um, that's where your ability to move between game titles is. That's where you know your ability to slide easily into a new organization is. Like being being a true person, um, being professional knowing your community, like there's a, there's a lot there that I think is really important um, to the foundation of the industry. Or for me, it is, it's the stuff that mm -hmm. I'm afraid we're going to lose sight of as we push kids into um, the more just hyper-focused sport aspect of it. Um, right. Yeah. Well, Carrie Linden, do you have anything else you wish to promote to us today? Other, you you know, know, are you are you streaming regularly? Do you have a schedule or? I, I do stream regularly. My schedule is kind of shifting because the school year's starting here soon. Um, so all this year I streamed at like 11 a.m. PST. I'm switching over to sort of a night schedule. So for the next couple of weeks, uh, it's Monday 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Tuesday I stream at 11. Thursday I stream at 11. And then every other day that I stream, I I post on Twitter. So I, I pretty much try and keep myself to three scheduled days a week and then I throw it in there when I've got the time but um probably starting end of August I will mostly be streaming it at, at like six six to nine o'clock at night so I'll be making the jump over to the the evening evening block which will be really weird <laughs> and if anybody else wants to find you reach out to you or are you going to be speaking at any conferences anytime soon or anything like that not not anything on the table yet i just got back from serious play um my twitter is the chalk muju um and i'm really active on twitter so if anybody needs to get a hold of me or ask questions my dms are always open um obviously i, I focus on not just esports but kind of the whole gaming industry as a whole so um if you're wanting to kind of 
branch out or make your program more well-rounded offering, you know, shout casting, uh, marketing, media management, all that. That's, that's a lot of the other stuff that I focus on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely accessible there. And then on Mixer, it's Chuck Muju. Um, and I have people pop in there that then, you know, connect my link to, to Twitter and, and find me on Twitter. So I'm, I'm always happy to talk. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the Academy of Esports podcast. Thank you for having me. That will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. Esports are organized competitive video games allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote good physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We can never forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. You may follow me on Twitter at Jim O'Hagan. That's at J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N and through the Academy of Esports account at T-A-O Esports. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts, podcast episodes, and news coming out of esports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com slash taoesports. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our time again next week.